believed you could achieve any success you want. What would you do differently? What would you think differently? Thank you for listening to On the Air with Jeanette Seibley. It's your time for success. I'm coming to you from the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado. My focus each week is to share with you success tips, insights, and how to do it that help you achieve the results and successes you've always wanted in your business, in your career, and in other areas of your life. Are you ready to uncover the success you've always wanted? Keep listening. Happy New Year. Many of you have a goal during this year, 2020, to be ready for that next promotion or work opportunity. Some of you are prepared or in the process of preparing, and some of you are using what I call the hope strategy. The truth is, to get that promotion or be ready for that next work opportunity, you need to be prepared. You're going to want to listen to my guest today, take her advice, and apply it. Deb Bolkus released her book, The Wow Factor Workplace, How to Create a Best Place to Work Culture, on December 10th of last year. She is an expert in helping preparing men and women for their next promotion. In a moment, I will have Deb introduce herself in 20 words or less. As I've mentioned in my earlier podcast and in my book, It's Time to Brag, it's important to keep your intro short and on point to capture others' attention. Deb, welcome, and I believe you're coming from Florida, right? Yes, I am. Wow. Is it warmer there than here? It probably is. I haven't looked at your temperature today, but yeah, it's usually warmer here and even in Northeast Florida than Colorado. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, In 20 words or less, please share with the audience who you are. All right. I'm a leadership development speaker and symposium producer. I accelerate advancement for high potentials, and I help organizations create best places to work. That's great. I love it. Let's just get right into the questions. So what are the top three skills our listeners need to do to prepare for the next promotion or work opportunity? And why is it important to prepare and not rely on the hope strategy? Ah, Great question. Well, first, I would suggest in preparing for your next promotion, learn how to set your career navigation system and start with the end in mind. Mm. Maybe you've heard that old saying. I think originally it was in Alice in Wonderland's or Alice's Adventures in Wonderland was the title of it at the time. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. In terms of getting a promotion, if you don't have a defined objective or vision for your career, well, any road will get you there. But you may not like the destination and you may not enjoy the ride along the way. I mean, between all of us, life is just too short not to love every day. You gotta love what you do. So you cannot assume that just any promotion or any move is going to be a good one for you. It could be. You could get lucky. But you really need to evaluate the potential of a particular promotion based on how you're setting your nav system, what you want that ultimate destination to be. And then look at each opportunity. Is, could this be the on-ramp for, to the superhighway? Might it be a detour for you? Or could this potentially be a dead end in your career plan? So you really got to know where you're trying to get to in order to make that evaluation. I've worked with a lot of people just like I'm sure you have. And we've both seen this happen to a lot of very qualified people. They get on a detour and then they hit a dead end and they don't know what to do next. 
what happens? Because there's an old Yiddish adage that goes, man plans and God laughs. Uh, <laughs> we think we're in control. We think we are in charge of our own destiny. But who knows what life has in store for us. So why is it even more important today than maybe in the past that we take the time and develop the skills necessary? In other words, we're prepared. Why is that important? Well, just as I said, you, you need to kind of, at least at this juncture, you know, our plans change, goals change, things change in life. And so don't think that you just set your ultimate destination today and three years from now, or even three weeks from now, that that's going to work for you. Because sometimes, as you know, life gets in the way. But you yeah. at least need to set a strategy to try to get someplace where you think you want to go. And it's what's most important, really, is to love what you do. And if you just take any job, you may or may not even like what you're doing, let alone love it. But the only way you're going to be stellar at what you do and help others around you be great too, so you're all really loving doing this thing together, is when you love what you do. So that's why it's important to plan and consider, is this going to be a good fit for me? And is this going to take me where I want to go? And I think that's really important. I remember a meeting with a young woman last year, high performance. I mean, somebody who really had goals clear or had her goals clear, I should say. She got the job and within two days hated it and two weeks hated it even more and just left. But this was a job she had prepared for. She had worked really hard to get for five years. Wow. So what is it that happened along the way that you know, there's always clues being given to us, I mm -hmm. believe. What were the clues that she missed that say, hey, you know, this new job may not be what you think it will be? Well, you know, there are probably a number of things that it could have been. So without knowing her situation, it's hard to give you this, the correct or precise answer. Sometimes, and I think one of the most important things is that if she wasn't already working in this company before or in this particular department or division, she may not have had an opportunity or taken the time to evaluate the culture in the organization. Because believe me, you can look at two different companies that are in the same industry. They seem to do the exact same thing. But when you get inside, you find the whole philosophy of the organization how people get along with each other, what the expectations are. You're going to be working 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night. Is this a fun-loving place or is this a serious place? The CEO is always checking to see if your butt's in your chair. You've got to evaluate the culture. So when you're on an interview, whether it's in your own company, another department, or in a completely new place you've not been before, that interview is a two-way street. And take a series of interviews, talk to different people in the organization to find out from them, what's it like being here? And do you like being here? That's an important point. Too often, we think because we've read the job posting that's on Indeed or one of the ATS systems out there, and there's a, a lot of them for job applicants, we think we know what the job is and what the job entails. But what we fail to do is network, use people that we're connected with on LinkedIn, connected with in life, and really get the true skinny on what's required. I remember several decades ago, I did that. I did a really good job of that 
to the point that I knew a lot about the inside of the organization from what people had told me, and it scared the interviewer. You know, my <laughs> takeaway from that was, you know, Jeanette, this time going a little bit more soft pedaling, but in the same token, it was good to know what those hot buttons were so that if I had gotten the job and hadn't known, then who knows what might have happened. Absolutely. You know, Jeanette, one of the things that I uh, share with young people all the time is, one, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I even told everybody on my staff all the time, always be interviewing. And that doesn't mean always be out with your resume out on the street, blah, blah, blah. You're always looking for another job. No, take time, take opportunities when you can to learn about the other organizations that are in your industry or maybe the kind of job that you do today or would love to do tomorrow. Where else could that be done? And take advantage of asking for informational interviews. That an informational interview is when you're not looking for a job, you're just trying to learn something. And I have found at times, not that I have changed my companies all that often, working in a very large corporation, you can change jobs and career directions and stay in the same company. But I found some of the biggest aha moments came when I was able to say, you know, I wonder what it's like over in that industry. And I could see this big building as I would drive down the freeway every day. And I think, what is it like there? And so the times that I have taken to go onto LinkedIn, for example, see who do I know in that company? Do I know anybody over there that I could reach out to, just have lunch with and pick their brain? Or if I don't know somebody, LinkedIn's a wonderful tool that you can see your first and second level connections. So if you've been pretty pure with LinkedIn to just link into people you know and you're comfortable calling up, I have called friends saying, hey, I see that you know the vice president of whatever at XYZ company. I'd really like to learn more about that industry. Do you think that that individual would mind uh, having me come over and having coffee with them just to kind of get to know what, what you do, what they do over there? Inevitably, if then your friend can introduce you to say, hey, this gal's really great. You ought to talk to her. She's really knowledgeable and she's just trying to learn a little bit more about the industry and I don't know anybody who's more knowledgeable about it than you. Well, they've now gotten a compliment. So they're not about to say no, particularly when they know you're not looking for a job. You're just coming in for information. And gee, what do you know? They could pick your brain too about something that you might know. So it's, it's a two-way street. It's not one way. I have learned so much. And inevitably during that conversation, they'll go, you know, based on what you do, you really need to talk to so-and-so vice president down the hall. Let me march you down there and you can meet them too. And you start a relationship. And that is such a great way to uncover the culture, how these people work together, how friendly they are, how willing they are to help each other. I would say informational interviews are probably the best non-official way to get promoted. Well, and I would like to add just a word of caution with those because sometimes when people go for informational interviews, even though they say they're there to get information or to glean understanding, they're truly there looking for a job. They don't go prepared. And what happens is they force the person they're meeting with to conduct the interview. And when they do it, it becomes a yes or no proposition as opposed to, hey, we're just here to learn about each other learn about a particular issue or situation, 
I'm not here looking for a job. In fact, I'm currently employed at XYZ company. So I think that's an important addendum to, to mention. Yeah, um, absolutely. Are, and, and it is an interview. You're interviewing them rather than exactly. them interviewing you. And so you need to take your questions in. You need to be respectful of their time. You know, if you've asked for 30 minutes, make sure you're not going to extend beyond that 30 minutes unless they deliberately do it. Exactly. And that's key. That's key because networking does work. However, it's not going to work if you're going in expecting them to just open up the door for you. You need to go in and be prepared, like what Deb's saying. So that, I think that's great advice. What are often overlooked skills that need to be developed for most any promotion? So I would say that there are a couple of them. And one of the things, especially if you're looking for a promotion, oftentimes, not always, but promotions after your first one <laughs> usually lead to a management position. Certainly a leadership position, even if it's just as a professional, you're leading something. The most important thing, if you want to be a great leader, is to really start with a solid foundation of knowledge about yourself. You need to understand your strengths. You need to understand your weaknesses, because certainly anytime you're going to be in an interview, you better be prepared to answer that question. What are you good at and what are your weaknesses? And to say, oh, I don't have any weaknesses, eh, you're out. <laughs> we all and have and I've actually seen that happen where someone, well, I don't have any. And it's like, okay, exactly. I thought, okay, we're done here. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> I remember the first time I was asked that. So here comes the honest part. I thought, what are my weaknesses? Hmm. Well, my husband was always telling me I didn't know how to say no. <laughs> And that was really actually very true. I would say yes to everything. Sure, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. And saying, not saying no sometimes can get you into trouble. But it's really important if you can identify what your weaknesses are and then figure out how to talk about the fact that I understand this and so here is what I do to compensate because I know it can take me down a rat hole, but I don't let it because I'm aware of it and so I do this. So it's really great if you can say, I've got this thing that I've overcome, I'm learning to overcome it, and I really have to work on overcoming it, and here's how I do it. But understand your strengths and weaknesses, and also not just know for yourself what you think your strengths and weaknesses are, but it's really important to have that validated by other people. And I'm sure you've got people that you work with today that if I were to go to the person who sits next to you or to your boss, or maybe somebody on your staff, if you already have people working for you, I could probably ask them, what are Jeanette's strengths and what are Jeanette's weaknesses? And, and they will very easily be able to tell me what they think those things are. Sometimes it's easier for them to tell me than it is for you to tell me about yourself. It's critical for you to have those conversations with them to understand what they think your strengths and weaknesses are, because at the end of the day, perception is reality and how they perceive your strengths and your weaknesses is their reality. And if you're gonna be a leader, you have to deal with that reality. I think that's a great point because too often we look at our technical skills. So if we've got a, a strong financial background, you know, we've probably done a lot in the way of developing those skills. If we have a strong IT background or marketing background or sales background, we're, or even HR, 
we're really good at the technical aspects. But what I find that's often overlooked by people who would be otherwise high potentials is their soft skills. So things like resilience or flexibility or taking responsibility, a lot of times they don't have any relationship with those words. They don't even know what they mean. So I think it's important that people look beyond just what they can do in the job, but how are they interacting with people, which is what you're pointing to? Yep, absolutely. And uh, we somewhat hit on it before too, but also there's almost there's rarely a time that you're going to be offered a promotion that you didn't interview for the job. Now, sometimes it happens because people just know you, they know you when a job comes open and they say, Hey, how about taking this? But once you get about mid-level management, those (laughs) things don't typically happen unless you're already in a line for development. You know, you're, you're in the line and they're going to pick from three or four people to be the vice president, the executive vice president, the CEO of the company. But you really do need to work on refining your interview skills and and having a good conversation. And remember, it is about building a relationship and letting people see who you really are and uncover who those people are too. Because again, that's what comes back to at the end of the day, whether you're really going to love that job and and love working with, with you. And they are looking at you as, do you fit in? Would you be a good member of our team? Yes, you might have the great skills. If I look at your resume, you meet every criteria we could ever want. So many of the really great companies you want to work for, they're not looking for somebody who has every single box checked off in terms of the qualifications. They're looking for somebody with the right attitude who's going to bring this personality to work and be a, a wonderful, interesting, fun person, a problem solver, an upbeat person who's not going to blame others. You know, they're, they're looking for how you are as a person. And so think about how you relate to people. And when you go on those interviews, be you. Relate to them and <laughs> know how important. to have that conversation. I think that's really, really important. I know one of my favorite interview questions that I ask is I interview on behalf of my clients at times for high-level positions. But one of the things I like to ask is, tell me about your most recent failure or mistake. And what I'm listening for is not like I haven't made any because everybody makes mistakes. (laughs) Everybody's had failures. And if you haven't, you're probably not the right person for the next promotion. But what did you do to work through the situation? Have you ever experienced that when you've met with people? I'm sure you've had your own failures just like I've had. Everyone does. Yeah. Every day. I do every day. (laughs) Exactly. And what I have found for myself is there's been lessons learned. And in doing the lessons learned, that makes me even more qualified for that next opportunity. So what have you seen in your experience? Well, I would, I would say exactly the same thing. And as a matter of fact, early in my career, I had an executive vice president of our region. And he said all the time, if he would have a town hall meeting and all of us were pulled together, he would say, you know, I am not looking for perfection here. And I know a lot of the new people here, you think you got to do the job perfectly. But what I am looking for is somebody who is willing to take a risk, a calculated risk, you know, think through it. Don't just jump in foolhardy and do whatever. But he says, if, if you try 10, if you're doing 10 different activities and you're not failing at least three times out of 10 and maybe more, maybe five times, you're not stretching enough. We're probably not delivering enough value 
to the customer. And I think we also need to look at failure is not something terrible to be avoided because failure is only, what expectation did we have of ourselves? And it means I didn't get out of it what I thought I was gonna get out of it. It didn't end up the way I expected. But as, as you just said, Jeanette, it's what did you learn from this? And it's taking that and learning from it. And, and those are your stretch opportunities. Well, they are. And it's also called resiliency. It's like coming back from this is what happened and really getting clear about it. So if there's a failure, call a spade a spade. Don't Absolutely. like, you know, there's an old saying, there's a mud pie. You put frosting over it and people want to call it a cake. No, it's mud with frosting covering. Be clear about what worked and what didn't work. And, and that's what you're saying. But also, uh, I think there's another important factor that you mentioned is risk adverse. I remember meeting with a woman just recently at a holiday party where she was talking about promotions and being a business owner and being a manager and reasons why she didn't want to. And her number one reason was, I'm risk adverse. So how does somebody overcome that? You have to... You have to have a conversation with yourself, first of all, and know that it is time. If, unless you want to stay where you are forever, and maybe, you, maybe that's okay, but then you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, <laughs> most likely. You're listening to this because you're interested in maybe taking a promotion. Uh, and, and in order to be ready for that next step and to prove that you are ready for that next step, you need to be ready and willing and able to set yourself out there and understand you may be setting yourself up for what you might think is failure, but you've got to just step up. You, you need to just tell yourself, okay, I'm going to do this. I can do this this time. I can step up and give it a try. And you know what? What's the worst that can happen? And to me, that's when I get a little scared and I'm afraid, oh boy, I don't want to go out and talk to an audience of 5,000 people for the first time. I've, I've never talked to 5,000. I've only talked to 1,000. Huh. Well, you know what? You got to tell yourself, I can do this. And everybody out there, I'm going to pretend they're all my friends and they're all cheering me on. So if you can look at that as I'm going to make a new friend this time and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do the best I can and I'm going to enjoy this because the what's the worst that could happen? I'm going to learn something out of this and learning something is really a good thing. It's a great point is, are we willing to step outside our comfort zone try on something new, understand that we may fail. I mean, and failure is part of it. And then look back and say, okay, what did I learn? And how can I grow from that? How would I do it differently this time? You were, exactly. you were talking just a minute ago about evaluating. When you had a failure, what happened? I think one of the most important things that I learned as a project manager, and when I led teams of project managers, at the end of every project, we would have a debriefing. And it's every bit as important to debrief failures, especially important to debrief failed projects. And hopefully you don't have many of those. There's hardly ever a project that goes exactly the way you thought it would. So you, you debrief what went really well, and, and then you talk about what didn't go well, not to lay blame, but to assess what happened and how can we anticipate this type of thing potentially happening in the future. And so when you're planning for the next time, throw that into the mix of what do we need to be ready for? And I can tell you most of the, the uh, promotions that I have had in 
my career, and I've had a number of them, usually into jobs that didn't exist because I created them. I learned to step into, they, they talk about, well, with, with Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, mm -hmm. or with first responders who run towards the fire, run towards the bullets, run towards it. Every minute anticipating, where's that fire coming from? Where's that next bullet gonna come from? So when you present a plan to your boss or a potential hiring manager saying, here's what I think I could do and here's how I think I can take the company to the next level, you are saying, and if we do this, here, here are the danger signs that we may see along the way. I'm gonna need your help because I think that this could be a problem, that could be a challenge. I think that department over there could get in the way. This is what I think we're going to need to do to set us up for success. And when that happens, I need you in there with me to get those roadblocks out of the way. And you know what? All of a sudden, when those things do happen, your boss or whoever it is that you're dealing with will be so impressed with you that, my gosh, you thought about that ahead of time. You knew this was going to happen and I didn't do my end and it did happen. That's what really sets you up for success and sets you apart from your competition. That's really important. I mean, those are the types of challenges that a lot of people shy away from or they actually run and hide from, depending on who the person is. And again, I think that's important. If you see, if you consider yourself risk adverse, take a baby step and then take another step. But keep taking those steps because eventually you'll get to a place and you'll turn around and look backwards and you'll go, wow, look how far I've come and how many risks I took to make that happen. And I think that's key. And I think that's underlying for how to get that next promotion. It's again, not the technical skills that you fine tuned and honed. It's more or less, who are you being? What can you do to set yourself apart and be a solution as opposed to waiting for somebody else to jump in and, and rescue the day. Absolutely. And I think senior leaders, when they are evaluating new folks coming into an organization, they are looking to see how do you think? And that's why they may ask you, just like you're asking me questions right now, to see how you think. Are you able to think on your feet? Can you get creative? Are, are you falling back on the same old storyline? Everybody always said that. How different and unique are you? And how interesting are the things that, that you can come up with? So, it's like addressing a failure. Absolutely. And in the interview, sharing with what did you do? What were the challenges you faced? And how does that set you apart? So I think, again, those are great words of wisdom. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention one more thing that I think is really important when you are offered an opportunity, whether it's just a, a stretch assignment or a potential promotion, don't be hesitant. Be open. I have seen too many people who are really competent, but who are also those who like to be perfectionists. <laughs> when they hear about a new opportunity, they immediately think, oh, I don't know everything there is to know about that. Hmm, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. So maybe I need to go take another class. Maybe I need to go back to school. And they don't convey confidence. In I think you shared a story with me about that. So maybe you could personalize it a little bit more. Yes, I love this story. So I'm going to talk about, I'll name her Carolyn. Not and, her real uh, name, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's, it just, we'll just use that name for now. Carolyn was 
called into her boss's office one day and the boss said, hey, Carolyn, I heard that there is a director level position over in another division of the company. I think you ought to go interview for that. And she said, I don't know anything about that division. And that wouldn't be right for me. And he said, it's the same kind of job you do today, only you'd be managing more people, blah, blah, blah. It will be perfect for you. And she kept saying, I don't know. I don't know anything about the organization. I don't know if I'd be qualified. I, could I see the job description so I can evaluate it? And he says, okay, fine. Go down to HR, get the job description, read over it, come back, sit down with me and talk to me about it. We'll go over it. So she comes, she goes down, gets it, comes back and said to John, her boss, John, this is not for me. Here's the job description. There are 10 requirements for this job and I've only, I've only got seven of these. Three of them I've, I've not done. And he said, Carolyn, excuse my language, but don't be such a woman about this. And she was Whoa. shocked at that, you know. Now, those were in days that it wasn't such a big deal. Today, it would be a terrible thing to hear that. But I mean, in reality, what he was saying was, Carolyn, if I had this very same conversation with your counterpart, some other person in the organization, and especially guys, you know, they go for everything sometimes. A guy would come in here and say, hey, I've looked at the job description. It's got 10 requirements. I've done three. I am totally ready. Let me at it. I'll be great. So it's, it's how you look at things and how, how you convey your willingness to go jump in. Because the reality is, Carolyn was brilliant. She was great. She was good at everything that she did. She would know how to figure it out on the fly once she got there. She didn't have to go back and go back to another class. She didn't have to go get stretch assignments to make sure she's ready. You know, by then, it's too late. The job's filled. May not ever come open again. That's a great story. And today, I mean, today we would see men who, I, and I've actually had to coach several of them, who are hesitant like that. And it's like, go for it. Yeah. What's I mean, it's not a woman or a guy happen? thing. It's, it's just... <laughs> having confidence in yourself that exactly given an opportunity you're gonna figure it out you usually always do right exactly or they wouldn't be in the position they're in today the moral here of this interview is are you willing to develop the confidence are you willing to take the risk are you willing to be resilient when you have faced challenges and instead of running and hiding from them it's like you said earlier deb is go through them and i think that's important Again, thank you so much for today's interview. We could, we could keep going um, and we'll probably have to have you back again because this is it. one of these conversations that is never done. It's never done. And for everybody listening, really take the time and spend the money if you need to, to get some good advice as to what you need to do to be prepared. But understand that success is an inside job and it, you need to look at who am I being? Am I ready? And what do I need to do to showcase that? Thank you, Deb, for that great conversation. And as I like to ask all of my guests is, what does success mean to you? I love that. That's usually the first question I ask anybody that uh, is in our program. What does success mean to you? That's your navigation system right there. It is. So for to me, three things, and it's not about fame and fortune. I'll just put it right out there. Uh, to me, success is living a life without regrets, you know, to, to think back on, I don't want to have regrets at the end of the day. What if I find out that uh, next week is going to be my last week on earth? What have I not done that I, I really need to do? Why put it off? Do it now. I think that's great. 
great um, advice. Next thing is to always serve as a role model in everything I do, because believe me, people are watching you all the time and you are a role model, whether you think about it or not. So there's another thing that when you think about having confidence, what would your role model do? Your role model is probably a very confident person. So if you're going to be a role model to somebody else, have confidence in yourself. And then finally, it's to inspire others to be the best they can be. And I hope I've done a little bit of that today. Oh, I think you've done a great job of inspiring people today. And I think it's important that we all be kinder to ourselves. Purpose of coming up with this podcast and focusing on success is everybody thinks they know what it looks like. And I think out of today's conversation, we're seeing that, hey, it can look a lot of different ways. There is no one direct pathway upward or sideways or wherever we want to go. It's what are you bringing to the table that will help you achieve it? There's another saying, life is a process, not an event. Again, thank you, Deb. You've been great. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. The URL for Deb Bolkus' book, The Wow Factor Workplace, how to create a best place to work culture mentioned on today's On the Air with Jeanette Sibley is provided in the podcast overview. I want to thank you for listening to On the Air with Jeanette Sibley. It's your time for success. Tune in next week for more insights on how to achieve the success you've always wanted with my straight talk for dynamic results. Until next week, enjoy a successful week.